I don't know about you guys, but I have a love-hate relationship with sleep. Um, there's part of me enjoys it, but there's also a part of me that feels that it's a terrible I can't quite make up my mind whether I want to get up in the morning or not. And sometimes I just procrastinate over it and, and, and just spend it in bed. So I do. Not because I want to, because I can't think of anything better to do. Now, as a young boy, I used to sleepwalk uh, and terrify my parents. Um, I used to have this really nasty habit of walking into their bedroom and climbing into their cupboard and, um, and then them having to put me back to bed. Um, my mother had to, used to have to tie my bed clothes to the bed because I always kicked them off every night. But there was an experience that I had which has stayed with me uh, and it was my first all-nighter. I, I, I don't know about you guys, especially those of you who are at school and at university, um, but at some point, you know, you have an assignment that is due, and rather than spending your time doing the assignment, you do everything else but the assignment. Um, and um, I had an assignment due um, for college, and, and so I thought the best time to do it was the night before it was completed, or was due. So I took myself off one night. I, I was an apprentice electrician. I did my sit-in gills, two, three, six, parts one and two. Um, and it was my, I think it was my part two that I was finishing. We had, a, we had to do all these drawings, wonderful drawings for a, a, a dentist practice. Uh, and we had to do all the, the, the electrical schematics and design work and, and, and do a tendering list and all this here. Uh, and. Um, it was a lot of fun, so it was. Uh, and uh, I thought the best time to finish it would be the night before the assignment was due, so I did. I started up all night with my four packets of Maryland cookies, as you do, uh, and um, finished that assignment at six o'clock in the morning, just in time to have a quick shower and head off to work. Uh, and uh, my college was right next to the place where I worked. Uh, and so I went into work for the day, um, uh, and we did what we had to do, uh, and then I thought, yes, perfect, we, we, we finished work nice and early, about four o'clock in the afternoon, I walked to the college on the way to the bus stop, uh, and I submitted my assignment. And, and just, I'd say, you know, and then I walked to the bus stop to get the bus home. Uh, and uh, invariably the way is, I don't know about you guys, but every time I try to catch a bus, I invariably always miss the next one. Uh, and I walked around the corner to where this bus stop was, and I saw the bus drive off, as you always do. So I thought the best thing to do, because it was 30 minutes to the next bus, was to park myself on the pavement and wait for that next bus. Uh, and... Um, there were people starting to gather because it was getting the end of work. And sadly, the next thing I remember was watching the next bus drive off. I had sat down on the pavement. People were starting to gather around me for the bus. And I kind of fell asleep. 
side did. And I don't know what I was more annoyed about. Was it the fact that I fell asleep and I missed the bus? Or was it the fact that there was probably 15 people standing at that bus stop that all climbed onto that bus and left me sleeping on the side of the road? So it was. And so I had to wait 30 minutes for the next bus. Needless to say, I didn't do it sitting down. I stood up and, and, and I decided to walk to the next bus stop while I was waiting for that bus. Sleep's something that is very important to each one of us, isn't it? So it is. And there's a lovely little story in the book of Acts about sleep. And um, it's in Acts chapter 20. And it's the story of another young man. Um, in fact, if you look at um, the story of Eutychus, Eutychus, uh, most commentators will say, was probably a teenager. Um, uh, some say he could have been as young as eight. Uh, others say that he was probably 13, 14 years old. But if you look at the story of Acts and the story in, 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 in chapter 20, it tells us that Paul was getting ready to leave. He was getting ready to leave this group of Christians and move on uh, to, to the next place that he wanted to go. Uh, and I don't know about you, um, but I always imagined Paul as being this short, bald fella who liked to talk. So I do. Um, that's why I was good at being an electrician, because I, I just used pictures in my head. Uh, and so when I think of Paul, I think of this short fella. But he was a good preacher, apparently. So he was. And he had a massive impact upon the early church. Uh, and everyone wanted to hear what he had to say. But he's leaving. Uh, and so they decide to have one final prayer meeting. And they decide that this prayer meeting was going to last as long as it took. And they all gathered together into this upper room. In this house. On his final night before he leaves. In fact... There's no room left in that room. And so Eutychus, it tells us, sat in the window of that room. Um, because it's dark. The oil, lamps, the oil lamps are burning. It's got very hot and sticky. And I don't know about you, but when things get hot and sticky and it starts getting late, sometimes it's almost impossible to stay awake. And, of course, as you read through that story, and, and the way that Luke tells it, it tells us that Paul's sermon that particular night was long. And it tells us that that young man began to sink into his sleep. But it wasn't any ordinary sleep. In fact, in the Greek, and, and, and you'll recognize this word, so it will, the Greek word that it describes this particular sleep is the Greek word hypno, where you get the English word hypno from. And hypnosis, hypnotic, um, what else? Now, there's plenty of words derived from hypno, so there is. Uh, English was never my strongest suit. But it, what it means is it means a deep sleep. So it does. And it, Luke is telling us that Eutychus didn't just fall asleep. He didn't just nod off in that prayer meeting. It says that Paul basically preached him to sleep. So he did. Into a deep sleep. And uh, it tells us that Eutychus fell out that window. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think every one of us will have experienced that moment when we're just nodding off to sleep and we have that falling feeling. Um, it's the most unsettling thing when you're trying to sleep. So it is. Um, there's a name for it. It's a hypnic jerk or, or, or there's a, my, my favorite one. Well, you Google these things and, and they come up with all weird and wonderful things. Uh, one was a hypnagogic myoclonic twitch. So was, that's my favorite. So it is. But there, there's, your, there's your hypno right there. So it is. But basically it means that, that Eutychus had fallen into a deep sleep. And if you read that story, it says that that prayer meeting was brought to an abrupt uh, uh, stop. Because as, as Eutychus fell out that window, everyone rushed down to find his lifeless body lying on the ground. But Paul um, has, has this most remarkable way of saying things. He, he says to the people, he says, don't be alarmed, he's alive. And it says that he fell upon his body and he lifted that young man up and it tells us that they went and broke bread and they talked until daylight. They took that young man that night home alive and it says that they were greatly comforted. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, when I read through the writings of Paul, it's very important that as you read through his, 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 his letters, everything's pretty much connected. So it is. And I can't help but think as, as Paul was writing this chapter or toward, because this is the, 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 the scripture reading that I read for you this morning, is basically his closing words, are coming to his closing words of the letter to the church in Rome. So it is. And, and I can't help but think as he wrote these words in Romans chapter 13, he didn't have that experience indelibly marked upon his mind. And he didn't remind people of the dangers of falling asleep. Because what does he say in Romans chapter 13? I put my phone down. There we go. Romans chapter 13. I want you to open your Bibles there because we're just going to look at this passage briefly this morning. Romans chapter 13. And what does it say in verse 11? Romans 13, sorry, Romans 13, verse 11, what does it say? And it says, do this, knowing that the time, that now it is time, high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. You know, there are three points I want to make for you this morning. Uh, as we look at this passage in Romans chapter uh, 13. And it's this, three points. It's simply wake up, clean up, and dress up, or grow up. So it is. Now, you know, when you look at verse 11, Paul is telling us that we need to wake up. And he, and he gives some very clear idea about what it means to wake up and why we need to wake up. Because it's not something that he, he says just once. It's a theme and a motif that runs through much of what Paul has to say. And what is it that Paul is trying to tell us to wake up from? When we wake up, uh, I think we all probably go through some different experiences. 
Uh, there are four of us that live in my house. Uh, and we all wake up at th different times throughout the morning. I get up at five o'clock in the morning because I'm a glutton for punishment. And the only way to get up at five o'clock in the morning is to set your alarm once and to step out of bed and get on with the day. There are those who will, when the alarm goes off, hit the snooze button. And they'll not hit it once. They'll hit it twice. And they'll hit it three times. And there's nothing more irritating than being in the next room to your, your daughter. Uh, and all she does all morning is hit the snooze button. There will be those moments when you've got an appointment the next day. An important appointment. Maybe it's catching a flight to go on holiday. Maybe it's an interview. And you say to yourself, I'm going to give myself extra time to get ready so I can go unhurried to that appointment. So you set your alarm. Your appointment's at 9 o'clock. You set your alarm for 6.30 because you know you want to take that extra time. But that alarm goes off at 6.30 and the only thing that runs through your head is, I've got plenty of time. And so you hit that snooze button. And it goes off 10 minutes later. And you hit it again because you know you've got plenty of time. Only this time when you hit the snooze button, you didn't hit the snooze button. You hit the off button. And you wake up at 8.30. And the bus is due in five minutes. Or the taxi's due. And so that, that, that day that you had planned, when everything was going to go exactly as it ought to, descends into chaos and you spend the rest of your morning frantically getting everything ready so that you can get to that place where you need to be on time and you know you're going to get there. Time is nearer than you think. That is always the way. Paul's message in Romans chapter 13 is, is that we should wake up from our slumber. And, and it's a message that you don't just hear from Paul. It's a message that you hear throughout the New Testament. Christ reminds us in, 20, in Matthew 25 that there is a time when we need to wake up from our slumber. There is a time when we need to wake up from our sleep. And it's not that sleep is a bad thing. But if you don't wake up ready or if you don't wake up prepared, then you have a problem. And Paul's message is equally as stark. And it's equally as relevant for us today as Seventh-day Adventist Christians living in the 21st century. As Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we have been preaching the soon return of Jesus Christ for over 150 years. As Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we have warned the world about the nearness of Christ's coming and the events that lead up to that moment. You know, in our Sabbath school lesson, we are going through some of those prophetic histories that we have been taught from when we were children. And the reality is, is that as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, when we keep saying the same thing, complacency can start to creep in and the urgency of the message that we have starts to slip away. You know, all these devices, all this technology, it was all invented with one thing in mind. That it would make our lives simpler. It would make our lives easier. It, it, it would mean that instead of working a five or six day week, 
we should be able to get away with a three-day week, but in reality, the working week has got longer than it ever has in the past. And our lives are busier than they ever have been. And in reality, everything and all those expectations, all those appointments, all those things that we have to do can start to push out the most important things in our lives. We become so involved in living life. We become so involved in getting things done that we forget who gave us that life. We forget of the promises that have been given to us through Scripture, who gives us that life and who seeks to give it to us forever. You know, there was a wonderful little song um, by Casting Crowns, uh, and it was called While You Were Sleeping. Um, it, it often comes around at Christmas because it starts with, 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 with the birth of Christ. And, and, the first, and a couple of the verses, if you get a chance, you can listen to it later. So you can. It's called While You Were Sleeping. And the verse first goes like this. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, looks like another silent night. Above your deep and dreamless sleep, a giant star lights up the sky. And while you're lying in the dark, there shines an everlasting light. For the king has left his throne and is sleeping in a manger tonight. Do you think the children of Israel slept, walked through their coming of the Messiah? The second verse goes like this, O little t- oh, Bethlehem, what you have missed while you were sleeping, for God became a man and stepped into your world today. O Bethlehem, you will go down in history as a city with no room for its king. And the last verse said this, Jerusalem, what have you missed while you were sleeping? The savior of, your wor- of our world is dying on your cross today. Jerusalem, you will go down in history as a city with no room for its king. You know, Paul's message in Romans 13 is not just to wake up from our slumber, but it's to wake up from our slumber, to wake up from our sleep, knowing what is going on around us. He also tells us that we must clean up. So not only should we wake up, but we must clean up. And actually, you know, this is part of our routine in the mornings, isn't it? Um, We wake up, we wash our face, we get ourselves um, ready for the day. And there are many times in the world in which we live where we are reminded to clean things up. I don't know if you remember, it wasn't that long ago when Tony Blair was Prime Minister, but I dare say some of you aren't even old enough to remember that. Um, but of course, you know, one of the things he wanted to do was to try and clean up politics. So it was. And he came up with this idea of a new labor. Uh, and it was basically about dumping all the garbage that had, had carried, um, at the, the Labour Party had carried along with it um, and create a new, a new agenda for the Labour Party. Um, but it was at a time when, when politics was trying to, to figure out where it was going in this country. And, and I can't figure out whether we're going backwards or forwards sometimes. So it is. Uh, Donald Trump had, um, had, had a saying in his, his, his election. Does anyone remember what it was? Uh, I think it was uh, drain the swamp. So it was. Uh, and he was trying to, to, to portray the idea of cleaning up politics. You know, Paul was also seeking to move the young Christian church in a new direction. 
So he was. He was trying to move that young Christian church away from the destructive elements of Judaism. So he was. The legalism and the perfectionism and the separatism and all those elements that Judaism had built up over the centuries and had in fact actually led to them sleeping through the time when the person that they were expecting the most, the person that they were waiting for, they missed it all together. And the church leaders had filled, uh, 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 and particularly within the Jewish uh, religion, had filled the lives of ordinary people with rules and regulations. And actually the experience of, 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 of the, 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 the religious walk, as it were, within Judaism was very much one that was based on following a set of prescribed rules. And as long as you followed those rules, then you could um, say that actually, do you know what? I've done all right. For Paul, the idea of cleaning up was moving away from that prescription that had that basically plagued Judaism to the point that they even missed the Messiah that they were waiting for to a place where actually, do you know what? Jesus Christ is your Savior and it is in Him that you place your trust, not in a set of rules. Paul was the one who had said, actually, you know what, that is the life that I had, but here is the life that I have in Jesus Christ. And he wanted people to know and experience the freedom found in Jesus Christ. And you can read that. And you read that in, in, in Romans chapter 13, verses 8. Um, if you go back to verse 8, what does he say? Oh, no one anything except love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And if you go down towards the end, verse 10, what does it say? Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. For Paul, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the law. And this was Paul's battle cry, because Paul knew that time was short. For him, time was short. You know, I've been a Seventh-day Adventist pastor for over 20 years. So I have. And I've witnessed all sorts of debates in our church, all sorts of discussions and arguments. And it seems that they haven't changed much from when I was a young lad. Debates about music and worship and Sabbath um, uh, uh, you know, the describing one side of the church as being on the left and another side being on the right, conservative versus liberal, historical versus contemporary, um, between one denomination and another. Uh, and in reality, we, we can spend all our time discussing how we look and how we interpret all 28 fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist ch church. Uh, and... You know, you can debate all of those and you can debate all these various discussions um, until, until the good Lord comes. But none of it matters if you don't have love. And this is something that you see in Paul's writings from beginning to end. You know, I think one of the things that Paul wanted to be remembered for was that each day should be lived as it comes. Each day should be lived in the love 
of Christ. That as we relate to each other in love, that actually everything that we say and do reflects the hope and the urgency of the life that we live. Paul said that we are to wake up. Paul said that we are to wash up. He also says that we are to grow up. You know, and I guess part of the thing about growing up is all the things that we have to learn. As a father of two girls, um, I, I can remember all the milestones in their lives. And, you know, they're, they're still coming. My, my daughters are 20 and 17, so they are. I can remember the first dirty nappy, the first smile, uh, the first rolling over. Uh, and in my case, their first rolling over was rolling off the bed. Uh, and I did it with both of them. Both my girls rolled off the bed while I was looking after them. So they did. The first standing up. The first eating of solids, the throwing up. I remember every first, the first tooth, the first word, the first what step. Everything was a first time. And each of those things marks a point in their life where they are growing up. They are constantly learning. Their abilities are growing. Their knowledge is expanding. Their vocabulary is becoming more expressive. And you know, as they get older, people start to say, you know, you're more like your dad or you're more like your mother. And you're sitting trying to find out what is it, the bits of them that makes them look or, or, or think that people are more about me. Is it the good things that means that they, they're more like me and the bad things that are more like their mother or is it the other way around? Paul says we have to grow up. And we have to grow up and become more like Christ and Paul says this over and over again. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, Paul says, From the very beginning God decided that those who came to him and he knew who would should be like his son. Ephesians 4 and 24. Ephesians 4, 24 says this. Ephesians 4, 24 says, and that you put on the new person which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, Paul says that we need to put aside, if you read, and, and I've read it for you this morning already, but if you read the, the, the last part of Romans 13, Paul says that you need to put all these bad things aside. And there's a long list of them. So there is. Deeds of darkness, no orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, and jealousy. Um, I love the way the message translates this particular passage or interprets this particular passage. It says um, it, says it this way, the end of uh, Romans 13. It says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. He goes on, the night is about over, dawn is about to break, be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on salvation work. He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. 
must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter or linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. I love the way that he, he, he summarizes the sentiment of Paul in this passage. Put on the armor of light, Paul says. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says. You know, as you read through, and one of the things that Paul often does in his writings is he often contrasts the good with the bad, the dark with the light. And in this case, Paul is telling us not to stand still, not to stop learning, not to stop growing, but rather every day grasp the love and the knowledge that we have of the Lord Jesus Christ and make him a part of everything that we are. Because when we grab on to Jesus Christ, we cannot sleep. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but when I get excited about something, sleep is often the first thing that goes. When I'm going on holiday, I can't sleep the night before. Invariably, I nearly always sleep through the alarm, and it's my wife that's waking me up because I've got so excited about what's happening that I don't, I, my, my sleep throughout the night is so um, unrestful. When we grab Jesus Christ and we make him a part of everything that we are, it is, it is the urgency of the place and the time in which we find we live in a world that is becoming increasingly dark. So we do. And Paul reminds us that that is the way the world will be. We cannot allow that to overtake us. We cannot allow that to overtake us in our Christian walk. We cannot allow that to overtake us in, our, in, 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 in the urgency that has been placed upon us as Seventh-day Adventist Christians as we look forward to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And in verse 12 it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There is an urgency. There was an urgency at the time of Paul, and there is an urgency for each one of us today. Paul reminds us that the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. We will stand and fall in how we live the love of Christ in our lives. It is time to stop pushing that snooze button because there are times where we will put everything off because of the busyness in our lives. It is time to stop pushing that snooze button on our Christian lives, on our Christian experience, on the urgencies that God has placed upon each one of us. 
It is time to wake up, to be cleaned up, and it is time to grow up, not of ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. Amen.